boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. The official Christmas edition of the Total Beaches Show. And as a Christmas gift, there's a couple of things I put in my bag that as Santa I'm going to give out. Number one is that we've brought back the Mecca Shane Madison. He's going to be a regular contributor to the Total Beaches Show in 2023. And I thank you for that, Mecca Shane. And second was the story that everybody has wanted to know Ever since day one, it's not the Roka B-Rib. It's what did I do to Pepito back 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago, and what I actually didn't do but get accused of doing to the man. So this episode is going to talk a lot about the great Pepito, not just Pepito, but the great Pepito, and why he is, in my opinion, the greatest of the great of all the local wrestlers I ever met. And you know, I'm really interested to hear this this episode. And thank you for having me back, by the way. But um, I think... Pepito is something you've you've referenced this this story many many times yeah. over the last several episodes, and a lot of people are probably like, "What is he talking about? Who is the great Pepito?" It is the single best funniest story I have ever that I was ever anywhere peripherally around in the wrestling business, and I'm going to tell that in its entirety. And then there's more, the Pepito story. And I hope the Pepito story isn't over. I would love to hear that Pepito is going to make a comeback in 2023. Maybe he'll be a guest. Yes, he's already agreed that he would come on the podcast. And I I would like to bring him on. Maybe even we need to bring him on soon after this because I want to hear his version because I'm going to tell you the real version. People are going to say, this. oh, this is probably embellished. No, I promise it's not. But before we get there, Producer Chris, thank you for having us in your studio again. It's always great to be here. Um, It's wonderful. Merry Christmas to you. Yes, absolutely. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. I'll be politically correct. I don't want to get canceled. What do you want for holidays what do you what, do you, what is what the do gift I want you for want? holidays what, what was number one on your xmas list my my xmas list did you want a please yo of, of course i do <laughs> a that, verbal please is that even a question <laughs> i thought you were talking about real things i was I like think, oh, i, I think want he's some, offering actually no some new oh. mic stands for the studio but if a please is on the table i mean yes so you want you want mic stands for the studio well, I, well is please gone now is that over well i'm not giving you one can i can i have can i have both mic stands and a please I'll get. Uh, well, I'll see if I know anybody that'll help me. With this. <laughs> it's just getting awkward now. Yes, what do you What do you want for Christmas, uh, Mecca Shane? Uh, you know what, Mecca Shane. Uh, I'm channeling my inner Omar Nick. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. You know what? Okay. I uh, I would just like to be able to spend some time with uh, just some of my friends that I haven't seen in a little while. So naturally, you go to Mexico where you have only no friends in Mexico at that time. Well, I do have a lot of friends at the golf course who. Bring me drinks, so oh, okay. I'll be spending time with them. Yes, Mecca Shane is leaving for Mexico as soon as we're done recording today. Thank you for making time before, and your wife being very patient with Keep you. Keep an eye out of a killer tan when I come back in January. Here's what I wanted to have for Christmas this year. I wanted more success for the Total Beaches show. I'm so thankful for the people who listen all the time. And no, I'm not being cheesy. But the people who listened, I get the odd message where they're like, you got to tell those funny stories that you told in episode one and that you alluded to that you promised you were going to tell. I got away from telling ribs stories because back in when this happened to Pepito, it was- What a, year was this, do you this, think? Uh, it, it was 2009 because PCW was having- 
It was around the seventh anniversary. Because there's been some stories you guys have told on the Bees She's show. And I listen to this every Monday in the gym. Yeah. And I've started laughing. I can recall one time yeah, on the leg laugh. press. You guys almost crushed me on the leg press. I almost yeah. broke my back because I was laughing <laughs> yeah, at one of People are going to laugh at this. I promise you that. But we're going to get to that in a couple of minutes because I want to finish talking about a couple of other pieces of business. It's not just Christmas. Uh, I have a question for each one of you guys before we get started. Because we may because you're going to Mexico, you may not be back on until 2023. And I, I, I might forget in the next couple of episodes, but what do you predict is going to be the biggest news story in 2023, Chris? Oh my gosh. Sorry to hit you. I, this Are we is talking Chris, mainstream? Mainstream. Mainstream. And wrestling? then I'll talk local. So two parts of the question. Start mainstream first and then go to the next guy. CM Punk is released from all elite no, wrestling wrong, wrong, and wrong, signs wrong. with WWE. Okay, fair. Biggest, biggest story of 2023. Oh boy. I wasn't prepared for that one. I know I should have. This is why Chris always complains. I never give him any run sheet or ideas. I will say, and and you know what? Like, if you think about what a wild year 2022 has been. Yeah, it's McMahon. I mean, who would have thought? Well, if you listen to B. She's from episode one, I knew ahead of time that he was in a lot more trouble than people thought. You know what? I will say this. I, I will predict that Roman Reigns will retain the WWE Universal Undisputed Heavyweight Championship for the entire year because he is the best thing going in the business. That's what my prediction will be for 2020. All right. Okay, here's what I predict. And I've got multiple predictions. Vince McMahon is going to be honored at WrestleMania, but there is going to be considerable pushback and it's going to lead to more stories coming out of him abusing his power. And WWE will consider backing away from it. That's one story that I think will be pretty big and prevalent. Number two that I think will be big is that Tony Khan is going to consider, but will not do it, shutting down AEW because I think he ran AEW so bad in 2022 that the fans started to be critical. And I don't think a mark with money, and that's what I believe Tony Khan is, I don't think he's got a thick enough skin to handle it. And I think there'll be hissy fits and you'll hear stories of him threatening to shut down All Elite. Uh, I think you'll continue continue to see a talent exodus from AEW towards WWE to a point where WWE will stop hiring because they're going to end up with two with what they call what talent glut. Yeah, I would love to predict that all, uh, Impact is going to have a better year. Hopefully, I think NWA will continue to stay stagnant. Where um, will Nick Aldis land? WWE. It's the most logical choice. Another big story I think is ROH will have TV. I think they'll get TV this that year. That could be announced. Well, that may be announced by the time this airs. Actually. Yeah, I think they're close to announcing something, but I have a feeling it's going to be... I think they're going to drag it into the new year. I th- so then you're going to see Tony Khan go on a hiring frenzy for that brand. and then uh, th- He doesn't need to. He's already got the horses. He's got enough guys. Okay, so locally, what do you okay. think the big story going to be, Chris? Uh, locally, WPW goes to a larger venue and continues to sell out, sell out all their shows. Okay, fair enough. They also run every six weeks, roughly. Yeah. So there's a they're very smart and strategic. They don't oversaturate their market. I will say, the Mecca Shane Madison will make his return to the ring in 2023. Well, duh, no, just you just announced it. Like I'm I was like, kidding. you have complete control over <laughs> he's this. Not, he's not kidding at all. No, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, I I don't know. Uh, I would say that um, CWE will increase its schedule up to uh, pre-pandemic levels as far as their touring 
goes. Uh, I think that's, that's a, a very good, good yeah. very good guess. Um, and because you picked CWE, because that was going to be mine, and you picked WPW, I'm going to go off the board. Uh, I can assure you right now, Mike Davidson and no WFX, B, she's wrestling, nothing like that is going to run a live event. I can promise you that. So don't predict it. Uh, my prediction would be that Andrew Shellcross, PCW, is going to run a show in 2023. And I think it's going to be something that's going to be probably his last show. I think that's the way he'll present it. And it'll be around March and it'll be like an anniversary and a, and a farewell show. I don't have hmm. any inside information on that, but it's the way it's leaning to me is I think Shellcross wants to do one last thing. And I have a feeling in fairness, I don't know this to be true, but I think he'll ask me to go into the hall of fame and uh, Andrew come on the show to ask me and I will give you my honest answer then. How about that? There we are. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about this story that we've alluded to and uh, what what makes Shane Madison weak on the leg press machine. This episode of the Total Bees Sheets Show is powered by FirstRow.ca, Canada's online collectible store where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, action figures, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Total Bee Show listener, you can get 10% off your order using the code BEESSHEES. Again, the code is B-E-E-Z-S-H-E-E-Z, one word, and receive 10% off your order. Firstrow.ca, Canada's online collectible store. So who was the great Pepito? I am. I, I have to go back to when I first heard about this guy. And I think it was Carol Stanton was talking about this guy that had come to the local scene. And I think his dad might've been around too. Cause I've heard stories that his dad was in the ring training with well, him. He, he said he was trained by the Guerreros in yeah, El Salvador. It, yes. Even though yes. I thought they were in Mexico, that but I, I don't know the geographic, like maybe El Salvador is like the neighbor. Guerrero is a common name too, so he might it might be the Guerreros, but not the Guerreros. Yeah, so it's it like might not have been Hector. Guerrero. Yeah, it yeah. might not have been yeah, Hector. Exactly. And let's name them off. It might not have been Hector Mondo Chavo Senior, Eddie Chavo Junior, Chavo Junior, or any of the Vicky. Vicky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might not have been any of those Guerreros, but it might have been like Pedro Guerrero or yeah. or like Guerrero. Vladimir Guerrero of yeah. the Expos. Yeah, you're right. It is a common name. Anyway, so we heard that this guy was going around telling people that he, and it was around the time of Ultimate Thunder Wrestling that I heard, I first heard about this guy from El Salvador. 2004, maybe? Does that sound right? Even before. Really? Yes. So that's the first I ever heard of Pepito. The first time I remember meeting him, Wayne Stanton had, his his father passed away and he had a show in Porters La Prairie. And we all agreed to go out and help him. You came and I came and just to go out and help out. Do you Wait, remember this? Uh, that was, was November that, of 2008 was that at the Manitoba Development Center in Port <laughs> Um And what I remember is um, I didn't wrestle in the show, but I went and agreed to help book the show and you came and helped out. And we just actually went to go show support to Wayne because we knew Wayne was going to be there. And his, I barely remember Carol this. contacted us and said it was going to be a tough day for Wayne because his dad had just passed away. It was before okay. the funeral. So uh, we went out and basically... It was more just to give Wayne a hug more than anything. Tell him, hey, we're, we're here for you. We're not there for payoffs or anything. And Wayne at payoff time, like we, everyone went up to Wayne, like you, me, I think Bobby Fox, good time Gordon. Did I work on the show? I don't remember. 
Maybe because it was around the time I think you were dabbling. I think you might have worked the main. But anyway, Danny Duggan was on the show and we all told Wayne we didn't want money because like, you know, you've got bigger things to worry about than squaring up. And in this lineup for us all to go and offer our condolences and tell Wayne he was special to us, Pepito's standing around wanting to be paid, getting hot that we're going and offering our condolences because it's cutting into his time to get his money. Do you remember this? Vaguely. Okay, so I'm just telling you my first experience with Pepito, okay? So this starts a period of time where it was open war with Danny and I ribbing Andrew Shellcross, like nonstop. Like it was... Andrew had gotten so ribbed that he was calling it burn the oil fields mentality. And he was calling Danny and I the wrestling Taliban because it was a reference to the Afghan war. And he was everything that was happening. And this is when he was running at Dylan O'Connor's. Yes. On Pemina. And, and I don't know what he had done. I know Danny, he was just getting ready to start in 2009 and it just had become, he, Andrew had become, it'd become very um, stressed between Danny and Andrew and Andrew and I. And it was just because he reacted to everything. He got ribbed relentlessly. So around this time, there'd been so many ribs on Andrew that somebody said to me, Hey, um, I set up a, I set up a hidden Facebook as Andrew Shellcross. And that's the guy who denies it. Danny Duggan. He denies he ever did this, but he, so it's the catfish wrestling promoter. He had a Facebook as Andrew, but he, he went and he proactively blocked a whole bunch of people that would tell Andrew, Hey, there's a fake Facebook. Is this the, is this the account that asked Marty Janetti to come over the board? That was a tr- fake email. account. Trunk? Yes. Yes. I could tell a whole bunch of stories, but and Jake, I, and he's yeah. like, well, if Jake, the snake did it, you should. Oh, so now I got a sidebar. I'm going to tell now a story. Superfly's wife. Yeah. So, that one. Emails were sent out to every independent wrestler that was taking bookings. So Marty Gennetti got his, and it was it was always, it would start out very friendly. Hey, Marty, we'd like you to have, have you come up to wrestle in the greatest wrestling company in Canada, Premier Championship Wrestling. We've got a long history. And every email always referenced, we drew 1,700 fans for Eddie Guerrero in 2002. Because that's how Andrew, we, we tried to... Okay, now I'm outing myself that I was in on that. Okay, so <laughs> you and you and Danny yes, were sending these we, well, we would we would collaborate on how they were written, and oh it was basically gosh. we would say, well, this is how Andrew would would introduce himself. So it would, be, but it was very very over the top. Like, uh, don't say piece of shit, but basically it's, hey, we're PCW, PCW Pride, and he would even sign it PC at the end, PCW Pride under the name Andrew Shellcross, right. PCW Pride, because Andrew put that in an email once and we made fun of that. So it was all basically, so he sends one to Marty Gennetti and Marty says, tough, uh, actually, I don't think I can get into Canada. I've had some legal <laughs> trouble. And uh, Andrew writes back, no, Marty, no problem. We've had this problem before with Jake the Snake. All we did is we flew him into Grand Forks. My grandparents went and picked him up. Two miles before the border, We they stopped. Jake got into the into the trunk. <laughs> Nobody ever gives my grandparents a problem at the border. They drove through, no problem. Two miles after, they open up the trunk and Jake gets out. And Marty t- says, "Oh my God, you've just made my day." I'm laughing so hard at the at the thought of a <laughs> border guard just asking, "Could you please pop the trunk?" And Jake popping out, he's like, "I'm going to have to decline, but thank you for making my day with that mental picture." So then, uh, this is why I almost broke my legs in the gym. <laughs> stuff like this. So. Andrew is like, so Andrew, and I say that in quotations. So Andrew goes back, well, Marty, you and I are, 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 you know, we're more like than you think. Uh, I've had legal problems too, and I know what it's like. So no worries, brother. You know, we'll, we'll continue to stay in touch. And if we can ever get you into Canada, we'll do it. So 
that's that was the that was the culture of the time. The, the snooker one was good too. Yeah, the snooker one. Okay, so snooker one was his wife Carol Snooker was responding, and it was uh, she was always his handler. Yeah, right. Yeah. So when you would bring in snooker, you'd have to bring her. Yeah, in so as she well. would answer the email. So, um, what are the terms? And and the response Jimmy would love to come up. Jimmy is very still doing matches and he would love to do your show at, at, at the illustrious lid nightclub, the world famous lid, like building. Cause in the email we built up, the lid is the most important venue in Canada. Yeah. And we drew 1700, 1700 people for Eddie Guerrero. And so <laughs> I am so outing myself on this podcast. I'm going to get, this pun- is your Christmas gift yeah, to everybody. This is the, con- this is going to be called the confession. <laughs> Okay, so starting 2023 fresh. Yes. So Carol Snooker writes back, Jimmy wants to come up, but I travel with Jimmy everywhere. So I will have to be in, I will be coming to Winnipeg with him. So you'll need to book two plane tickets. So Andrew becomes a little bit forceful now. And I say, Andrew, in quotations, well, if I'm going to be buying a second plane ticket, you will have to work as a valet for one of the local guys underneath. (laughs) (laughs) So she's like, no, I don't do anything on the show. Well, no, it's non-negotiable. If I'm buying a plane ticket and a hotel room for you, you will have to perform on the show. So she drops that one. And then Andrew, in quotations, says, and uh, we're doing a cage match and Jimmy's going to have to do a splash off the top of the cage. And Carol said, no, Jimmy's knees, will he'll never be able to do it. And Andrew then becomes a little bit more forceful. If he wants the payoff, he'll do what he's asked. And then she, it kind of dropped off there. Like that, that's sort of where, so the way the rib was always done is you would get the guy to agree to do it. And then you'd keep making your ask a little bit more and a little bit more <laughs> until bad for her. Until finally the guy oh would say, gosh. with all due respect, I can't do your date. And that's where that one broke off. Another good one was Lance Storm got an email and it was, uh, uh, Andrew, I'm sure you've heard of us. We're premier championship wrestling. We're the best company in Canada. And because you're training in Canada, you've definitely heard of us. So almost assertively <laughs> setting your reputation. And he said, uh, you know, we drew 1700 with Eddie Guerrero and we think we could probably do about three or 400 with you. So you're saying you're 25% as good as Eddie. And then it said, um, uh, so let me know if you're available on this date and I'll send you a plane ticket and we can get you on the show. So then Lance Storm says, uh, I'm actually not taking bookings right now, but thank you for your interest. So then Andrew, in quotations, writes back, with all due respect, Lance, don't you think you owe it to your fans? <laughs> so then Lance writes back, do not start an email with all due respect, because that shows no respect to me. And he said, I don't feel I owe anything to your fans. And Andrew then says, well, listen, and then that's an opening for Andrew to be even more aggressive, right? Uh, another one was Brutus Beef. This has gone off the rails. Okay, let's get back to Pepito. But, one, but, more, but one, one more. But this is funny because, like, when when Mike's explaining these stories, these stories evolve over time. So I usually become aware of these stories at the end after the whole thing yeah. has evolved. So I'm like, you did what? Yes. Yeah. And but then, these all happened. Like this is this all is legitimate. Over, you rolled it out over like I weeks didn't do and months. all of these. I I was collaborating on the idea. You collaborated Danny sent the email weeks and months. Danny did it, not me. <laughs> I'm pulling back on the confession. <laughs> So Brutus Beefcake gets one. So, and, and there's a story about Brutus Beefcake in Winnipeg. And it says, we want to bring you back. Cause he was at the first commencement of cool show that drew 1700. Remember we drew 1700. You, if you, and then Brutus says, I don't, shitty haircut yeah, and, and Brutus says, I don't remember that. And so then 
Andrew writes a reference to John Newen that I can't repeat. You'll remember the little Asian guy <laughs> that you spent a lot of time in the hotel room, and he t- talks about that. I'm not going to go there out of respect for John, but he said, I'm sure you remember that. And Brutus, again, feigns, like, I don't I don't think I was ever up in Winnipeg, basically. In his defense, he probably didn't remember. He didn't remember, remember yeah. it, in fairness, because he was wild. He partied the whole time. So anyway, then Andrew gets to the offer, and he said... Um, I want you to come up and I want you to wrestle as the Zodiac, not as Brutus the Barber Beefcake, um, because I think the Zodiac was a bigger draw, which, of course, Brutus <laughs> thought he was insane. So Brutus said, you're insane. If I'm going to do a show, I'm going to be Brutus the Barber Beefcake. No, you have to be the Zodiac. So finally, Brutus said, I have no interest in doing your show. Okay, fine. Could you give me Eric Bischoff's number? Because I know, I know you probably have it, and I'd rather book him anyway. So then Brutus responds, Eric Bischoff wouldn't piss on you. So now all these people think, what a, what is this Andrew Shellcross that just peppers me with these disrespectful emails? So that was the culture. I had to tell that part of the story to let you know that Danny also went as far as to set up a fake Facebook as Andrew with his picture and everything. And he went as far as to block almost anybody that would stooge off, hey, Andrew, there's a fake Facebook for you. But one person he did not block was the great Pepito. So this actually, there's actually a pre a previous rib where we got everybody with offering spots to PCW and getting them all to call Andrew. I'll tell that another time because it takes a little too much time. But this one basically said to Pepito, it started, hey, how would you like to join PCW? Pepito said, I would love to join PCW. And there it is. That's the rib right there. Because that let Andrew in quotation marks say, okay, here's what I want to do. I want you to come. We want you to, we want you to be a big deal when you debut. So you're not, we don't want you just to, Hey, the great Pepito's here. We actually want you to debut with some, with some fire. So we're going to have you hit the ring. You're going to sit in the crowd. And when the show starts, you're going to hit the ring and my guys are going to sell for you. So you look like an invader and Pepito said, Oh, I like it. This, this will work. So Andrew writes back. Okay. So here's very important. When you arrive, I want you to buy a ticket. I don't want you to come to the back and say hi to everyone because I, the fans will see it and then they know you're in on it. You, it has to appear like you're a fan right up until this happens. Pepito says, I completely understand. Now, what should Pepito have done at that point? Pepito should have said, hey, can we get together and have a coffee and just, I want to know everything. He should have booked a face-to-face or at least a phone call to have a voice on the other end of the phone that's telling him to do yes. this. Because in this case, he wasn't actually communicating with Andrew. He was communicating with somebody who was... Andrew in quotation marks. Yeah, he was setting him... <laughs> he was getting set up for what was the most epic rib ever done locally. So I get clued into this at about this point. Danny, Danny comes to me and he says, the great Pepito believes he's hitting the ring on Thursday. And I said, oh no. He said, yeah, he's going to hit the ring. I said, what have you done? Well, I haven't done anything, he says. Andrew quotation marks, has booked Pepito to hit the ring and, and to make it look like a shoot. And I'm like, oh, no. He's like, yeah, so when Andrew goes to the ring as a ring announcer, Pepito knows he's going to hit the ring and attack Andrew, but he thinks Andrew's going to sell for him. I said, Andrew's not going to sell. <laughs> I said, this is, something's going to go wrong. This is never going to work. And Danny said, yeah, but at the very least. I said, they're going to have a conversation and then, Andrew's going to look at him and say, I have no idea. No, I told him not to have the conversation because it'll, it'll tip it off. So I said, do you know everything? This is why the Montreal screw job, we had this argument last week. The Montreal screw job could work because this thing should never have worked. And it worked to fruition. That's a fair point. 
So the night comes and it's the PCW anniversary show in 2009. So it's the seventh anniversary. So I'm laying at home and I get a, I get a call and Danny Duggan is crying on the other end of the line. And he and I said, what happened? And he said, Pepito hit the ring. And I said, what happened? And he said, Andrew beat the fuck out of him. So naturally I called everyone to find out what happened. So I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. So I've told you how it all laid out. The last thing Danny told Pepito, sorry, Andrew in quotation marks told Pepito before he came, he said, bring a weapon. So it looks real. And if Pepito had brought like a, a, a metal pipe or a baseball bat or something, baseball bat or a chain, well, he, he might did bring a baseball bat. Yeah. He might've had a, he might've had a fighting chance for what was about to happen. Yeah. What he, but he couldn't find a good weapon, so he went to his kid's toy box and found a plastic bat. Just a, yeah, a plastic a wiffle blue, ball. Yeah, yeah. A plastic. blue plastic bat that looked like a big dildo, yeah. unfortunately. Because he doesn't think he's going to need a real weapon. He thinks that people are going to sell for him. But you, you still need a real weapon. So the direction was, you're going to hit the ring when Andrew starts to ring announce, attack the ring announcer. The boys are going to come out of the back in droves and you're going to run off. And then you're going to come to the back and get paid $30 for your effort. And then people are going to want to see where this goes. For the next week, people are going to go, I wonder what Pepito is going to do on the show. They might not even know your name yet. Okay, so Pepito shows up at the venue. He takes a bus to the venue. I know this. I found this out the day after. Takes a bus to the venue, goes in, pays $10, which was the admission fee. So he's out whatever bus fare was and $10 so far out of pocket. He's sitting in the front row. He thinks he's going to get $30 at the end of the night. He's okay right at this point. Andrew goes out to start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, you pieces of shit. Welcome to the seventh anniversary pre-CW. He's ring announcing, okay? So at this point, Pepito thinks he's got his cue to hit the ring. So he goes. Now, the problem is you cannot hit a ring without the ring announcer figuring something's going on because the minute you pull on the ropes... The ring dynamic is everybody in the ring knows, wait a minute, someone's hitting the ring, right? So, <laughs> so Andrew has later said that he knew full well that somebody was coming into the ring that shouldn't be. So Pepito comes at him with a plastic bat <laughs> over his head and Andrew sees him coming. Did he run into the ring or how did he? I don't know exactly. We'll have to find that out when Andrew comes on the show. Oh, he was on the apron. Yeah, he came. No, he got inside the ropes. Oh, he was That's ins- where Andrew oh, wow. dealt with it. And Andrew dealt with it. Now, uh, let me tell you this before I get too far into this. Andrew is a tough son of a bitch. A big guy, dude. Like if somebody said mm-hmm. to me, hey, you're going to be working a program with Andrew and it's going to start with you jumping him and you're going to get get uh, over on him. I'm going to talk to Andrew first because if he's not in on it, I don't want to find out that he's going to defend himself when I'm attacking him. And I, I will d- say, in Andrew's defense, talking about how tough he is. When we did that angle, you and I, yeah. Andrew wanted me to punch him out. As hard as he yeah. could. And like, so he knew I how to said, sell it. And I said to Andrew, I go, I don't feel good about hitting you as hard as I can. And he goes, the people will shit all over it if you don't hit me as hard as you yeah. can. You need to punch my lights out. Yeah. And because of his reputation at the bar, he didn't want to look like he's yeah. dropping off a dead shot. Yeah. So, so then so- I hit him. And I punched his lights out and I knocked him out cold. And he kept getting up. Yeah. Well, no, but the second time, yeah. he was out cold. And then he said, he came to the back and he goes, holy shit, you can hit. <laughs> yeah. So he's a tough guy. Yeah, he yeah. will take a punch yeah. for the sake of the and show. And he can fight. Yeah. So in, in the case of Pepito, unfortunately, Andrew did not realize that his alter ego on Facebook had invited Pepito to do this. So he just thought Pepito was a smart ass hitting the ring. 
I don't think he even realized Pepito was in the business at this point. I thought not. he was just a stupid fan. So at first he was very patient with it because he did not want to attack a fan. But when the guy came running at him and started trying to work. Him. But, but he's not a very intimidating guy. Yeah, I mean, you should short. kind of like maybe explain Pepito's visual so, appearance. Oh, and we're going to post a picture on online Fantastic. for this too. So people can see it on our Facebook and our Instagram. But Pepito unfortunately is about five foot seven or eight and he's a junior heavyweight probably about 170 or 175 pounds that's well work weight probably yeah that's and then generous. there's andrew yeah. who's six foot three six foot four 240 250 pounds and like we said andrew can fight he he's the kind of guy you want to have your back if you're going into a situation on where there's you got to tell four guys something and they might want all oh, want to fight you only want you if you can only have one guy. You want Andrew Shellcross or Chichi Cruz having your back. That's I've I've said that for years. So it was a mismatch of mismatches. So Andrew not realizing immediately tried to neutralize. Pepito thought he was working, so started to work harder. But what did he say when he got? I, up? I'm going to get there. Okay, that's the best part. So he gets he throws him out of the ring, which Pepito didn't exactly cooperate on. So there's no cooperation <laughs> here. So he gets him out of the ring, and then he grabs him and throws him through drywall. As I later heard, there was like a imprint of Pepito in the wall from where Shellcross threw I him into the that. wall. Threw yeah. him through a wall. Yeah. yeah. And then dragged him outside. And, and like was, he was, had no idea why this guy, he was, <laughs> why he, is he working so yeah, Why is he drunk? And Pepito, of course, this is not what was booked. Like, so Pepito has no idea what's going on. So finally Andrew gets him outside. And at this point, Royce and Oz are outside too. Cause they're, they're, out there in case Andrew needs backup, which he did not need. And so Andrew goes, who the fuck are you? And Pepito looks at him and, and says, and I, I don't know if it was emphatic, like, like he's angry or if it's exasperated, like, Hey, hey I'm in on this. So he said, I am the great Pepito. And Andrew thought he was being mocked and he hauled <laughs> off and punched him as hard as he could. <laughs> so, because like, again, I don't know what Pepito's motivation was. Like, was he, was he like, hey, I'm the great Pepito, like you told me to come here? Or was it, hey, you're not going to do this to me. I am the great Pepito, right? So, <laughs> Shellcross punched him, and he's on his ass. And he's, this has not gone the way it was booked. Now, I wonder if at that point Pepito knew he had been double-crossed, or if he had maybe come to the conclusion that, okay, you know, whatever he, who knows what he thought. But at this point, Royce and Oz gave him the count of 10 to get off his ass and get the hell off the property or they were going to punch him again. And Royce and Pepito are friends now. So that tells you where the, that was at. Didn't he wait at the bus stop? Yeah. Too? He had to wait for his bus. So <laughs> after being punched out. Yeah. So like with zero pride at the end of this, right? The indignation. Yeah. This is March. <laughs> so he's got his parka on and he's sitting there. And the black it, guy with the blue yeah. bat. And uh, I don't know if the bat made it. Drywall dust in I don't his hair. Think, I don't think the bat made it out of the bed. You're really painting a picture. I like it. So that's the story of what happened to the great Pepito. Now, the aftermath, I so now we go back to Danny calling me at about 10 o'clock at night, and he said, Pepito hit the ring. He's cry Now, Danny is crying. He's laughing so hard. And I said, oh, no. Because I knew Andrew at that time thought I pulled every prank. Now, I did not pull this prank. There's no confession to this prank. But... I knew about it. I had knowledge that it was going down. I didn't think it would ever come true. I thought like, of course, Pepito's going to go try to work, shake Shellcross and say, okay, don't worry. I'm going to hit the ring on the opening spot. And, and Andrew would have said, no, you're not. Right. I thought there was too many things that could go wrong and it would not go right. Like this was like the perfect terrorist attack. 
And then, like, 9-11 didn't go off this flawlessly, quite honestly. So then I, so I was, like, sitting at home going, Andrew knows where I live. He's going to think I terrorist attacked his show. He's going to come to my house, pull me out of my house, and beat the hell out of me because that's how scared I was of Andrew. The next day, Pepito contacted me on Facebook, and he said, you owe me $30. And I said, why? And he said, because you're the, I'm told you're the one who set me up. And I said, I didn't do it. I, 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 don't, I don't know who did it, which was a lie. I knew who did it. But I didn't do it. So I think I owe Pepito at least $30. So if Pepito's willing to come on the Total She show, I'll give him $30 because yep. he's owed it. Plus, I'll give him bus fare, which was probably, I'll give him $35. I'll pay his bus fare back. Bus but fare I, is a lot more expensive now. But him, at the time. I have to do 40 Give him a ride. $35. And, and the reason I'm giving him the bus fare isn't because I want him to come into the studio. He can do this over the phone. But if he wants to come here. Anyway, I want Pepito in studio to talk about this. And like, because you know what? He did nothing wrong. That's the best part about the story. He got punched out, but he was—he thought he was booked. He was showing up and honoring his commitments. Everything he was asked and told to do, he did. And then he got, um, he met a brick wall named Andrew. But that's the story of the great Pepito hitting the ring and, and what happened to him. And, you know, I feel bad about it because in the aftermath, I found out that Pepito is actually a really nice guy. He probably didn't deserve it. Later on, we saw him wrestle a match um, at the Ellis Theater where it was a battle royal and Billy Blaze press slammed him over his head and dropped him to the floor. Uh, and it's a, to, just to be clear, to paint a picture for you folks, the, the ring was up on a stage. So when he press slammed him, he press slammed him out of the ring onto a stage. And then he, and then bounced, subs- off. he bounced off the stage to the floor. That's so right. He, so he went, how high in the air would he be from the ring to the floor? Over 10 feet to the floor. Yeah. Then another four or five four. feet. Yeah. From and the, he was from the laying there the dead. Floor. So like the guy took a lot of abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Just in the that Guerreros didn't teach him that. In no. So end of story. Jimmy Guerrero did not teach him that. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, Pedro, Alex Guerrero. <laughs> but I loved Pepito. So this happened in 2009. In 2010, we're running WFX. And everyone's talking, like, Pepito was one of the favorite topics. So we're talking about Pepito and we're showing that video of the of the press slam. And oh, yeah. Who was watching the video of that? And they were just... Bushwhacker Luke. Is that... Yeah, it was yeah, Luke. Yeah, That's so right. we showed Bushwhacker Luke oh, and he was gosh. like, is he still alive? <laughs> Because the video, he's like, that, there's, that's, no stuntman could do that and live. Like, he's like, who would take that bump? But it was, Billy Blaze didn't give Pepito the choice. He yeah. just did it. Pepito didn't, could, didn't wiggle out of it. So from that, Larry Zabisco sees that video and goes, what a moron. And, and he's like, I said, Larry, I'm thinking about booking Pepito as your butler. He's like, that would be great. He's like, we could do some great things with this guy. And there was a picture that now that I put on social media for you guys to see that was floating around. And Larry's like, this guy's great. We could, as long as he'll wear the yellow singlet, we can make him my butler. And we, cause Larry, who was, if you watch the WFX videos on, on YouTube, he owned every segment. He, yeah. he really did. He was, his promos were amazing and we were going to give, and every time he ever cut a promo, there was just going to be Pepito as his sidekick, almost like a but, butler or valet or someone, Hey, Pepito, go get the car sort of thing. And we reached out to Pepito, but he probably thought that it was a fake Facebook account and he was getting set up again because he didn't want any part of it. But he was actually going to get featured on television because of his local reputation. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. The fact that he took the bump or he was part of that rib and so and it went over the way, did, is that what, what got him over with you? That makes him he, a, a legend, both of them. Yeah, because it got over with you. I can remember this time period and I can remember like 
I don't know if we talked or something. Something I'd heard that you were trying to wanted to book him for WFX, yeah. and I was like, why? Like because I, he's a nothing, legend. Nothing wrong with Pito, by the way. But I was just like, why? You know, there's like a there's a sea of other guys. I get it now. Yeah, but so at the end of it, like I always felt guilty that he got that he fell for it, right? But at the same time, I can tell you straight out, in fairness, it's his fault. Because the way you conduct it's business, his, the, like, the victim's fault. Yeah, well, Ooh. I'm not victim shaming, but <laughs> I know. Well, but, but he's he could have crossed his T's any and professional his eyes before yeah, any, showing up yeah, at the show. Any professional that gets told, "Hey, you're coming in, and it's going to seem hostile. You're going to hit the ring," is saying, "Okay, let's get together and iron this out," and wants certain assurances. Like I, I, I'm questionable if I'd even go into a battle royal not knowing that people aren't trying to set me up to, for a... To play the devil's advocate, he is a immigrant. English, not his first language, might not have get the nuances of professional wrestling. He never got those nuances, you're right. He didn't because he was not trained by... the. He was trained by Jimmy Guerrero. Yeah, nobody was there to say, hey, Pepito, here's how you have to do business in this situation. You need you, to have... You a, gave him a lesson. Well, we did it for the greater good. Yeah, you're right. He owes he, you $30. He became a better professional from it. Um, but even to this day, a couple of years ago, Andrew and Pepito ended up on Facebook. Uh, we started the thread and Pepito was said to Andrew, you you punched me too hard. And Andrew was like, you hit the ring. Like and Andrew, <laughs> Andrew played along. Andrew thought it was funny. So hopefully, you know, we'll do separate episodes, get Pepito on in 2023 and get Andrew on. And we'll talk about this situation because it was an amazing event. And if Danny wouldn't blame me and actually own up to being Andrew in quotations, maybe we could get Danny back on to talk about this. Rip. We, we told a bit of this story in one of the earlier episodes. You might recall this, you might not. And you posted about it and Pepito and Andrew actually got into it in the comment section on, yes. a, on a B. She's post. Yes. I wonder if they've struck up a friendship. No, no. Pepito t- still to this day takes it personally that Andrew went too far. He'd, so he it, thinks it was the real Andrew Shawcross. No, his problem is that Andrew didn't need to punch him. Andrew wasn't in danger. The, Andrew had already got him out and uh, everything was okay. So Andrew didn't need to punch him outside as I believe. But, but we'll get Pepito on and find out what his issue that's is. A fa- that's a fair point too. Yeah, yeah but after events, I mean, you hit the ring, you're fair game. I mean, I've had people try to slide into the ring on yeah, me. Everybody you just kick yeah. them right in the head. And and, then they're, they're and when you ask who the fuck are you and you get told in a mocking, like Andrew thought he was being mocked. Like I am the great Pepito. Well, you're, you deserve this then. And that's like, that's what happened, right? Yeah. yeah and I mean, uh, to your point there, every wrestler has had that happen at some point where somebody tried to get. I had it happen at the Bell Hotel. Don't, when e- I was don't ever do it. If you're listening to this and you, you're thinking about like, you want to make it, you're at such a massive disadvantage first off because high ground, hey, low ground. Wait, wait, wait. I already asked you to hit the ring in a, in a total Bishi shirt at All Elite you on did. March 14th. This was off the air, but you did. Yes. I, I'm not doing it. Are you, are you asking me? What you, will you it take it? for you to hit the ring in the main event on March 14th? A contract from All Elite Wrestling. Not, that not, seems not, simple no, enough. Let's arrange it. Not, yeah, not, not necessar- and it doesn't even have to be a wrestling contract. What a, if a I can get... interviewer, whatever. What if I can get you a contract with Canadian Wrestling's Elite? Well, I can get that contract myself. Yeah, but you'll have a better chance if you hit the ring at at all elite wrestling that's, in March that, fair, that's true my booking fee would go up I just want you to grab Don from behind, jump on his back and put him in a choke and see what happens you just want to see me get beat up so well I guarantee you the whole thing why I said the elite and and CM Punk wasn't real is because Kenny Omega wouldn't shoot I guarantee you Kenny Omega won't be the one shooting with you when you jumped on no it's, Kenny Omega will be out of the ring yeah he'll, he'll steer, steer clear of the whole thing Don Callis though he, 
Okay, we still have some more to talk about. What it, uh, Coming up after the break, it's... Uh, it's now time for the Mary Brown's mailbag. Mary Brown's Crave Delicious. Who has 14 Manitoba locations? Mary Brown's Chicken. Who only uses Manitoba chicken? Mary Brown's Chicken. And who only uses Manitoba-grown potatoes hand-cut in-store? I bet you've already guessed. Even Mary Brown's coleslaw is made fresh in store from whole carrots and cabbage. Download Mary Brown's app today and take advantage of money-saving deals and even a secret menu. You can order ahead to get your Mary Brown's faster. Mary Brown's Chicken. Crave delicious. The Mary Brown's mailbag is bursting with questions this week. You can get your question answered by checking us out on social media. At Total Bees, she's on Instagram. At Total Bees, she's on Twitter. Also... On Facebook, Total Bees She's, and you can email us as well, Total Bees She's at gmail.com. Use the hashtag. All right, here we go. First question sent in using the hashtag, hashtag Mary Brown's Mailbag on Twitter from Charlotte. Do you folks remember your first wrestling show? What was it? And what was your impressions? Uh, we'll go. With, we'll start with a. Uh, you want to start? Mecca Shane. It is. Uh, it should be guests first. I know Mike's always been trying to kind of <laughs> shoehorn his uh, opinion in there first. Yep. Uh, the first wrestling show I've ever went to was a WWF show. It was Thursday, July twelfth, nineteen ninety one, at the Winnipeg Arena. My parents would not take me, so I had to go by myself. My parents dropped me off. And I was, how old would I have been there? I would have been 14 years old. Wow, dropped off at the arena at 14. Dropped off at the arena, and I watched the show by myself. The main event was the Ultimate Warrior taking on The Undertaker in a body bag match. Whoa. Yeah, I remember that like the like the day And they put history. Warrior over? They put Warrior over, yeah. Yeah, weird. There you go. Okay, um, for me... I had to think about this one. Uh, time sort of bleeds together for me, but I'm pretty sure it was CWF, Ernie Todd, oh, in uh, in Morden. I helped him book that show in Morden. We've talked about this before on the show. Oh, Chris, you got to sell tickets. Yeah, everybody worked double duty, which was not uncommon for Ernie's crews. Iron Man is booked. Yeah, so there were guys, uh, tons of guys on the show uh, on the surface, but it was just guys working double duty under masks. I saw Justin Time for the first time on that show. Uh, Wrestling now as Toxic Tyler James. Toxic I Tyler believe, James, yeah. Who would be my odds on favorite, sorry to interrupt. Go would ahead. probably be the most improved local wrestler of 2022. Yeah, getting better with age. And how do you become most improved after being in the business like almost 20 years? He looks a million times that's better. Yeah, that's a, what it is. His, his, it's his look, his his Way work. more confidence. Yeah, he's honestly, go out of your way to watch he's him. He's got it's, a great build too. I'm uh, sorry to interrupt. That's okay. On the show as well, Spider. Uh, the the guy that struck me the most was the gnarly hippie, Floyd Osborne. Oh, yes. I don't know him. I, I, forgot, I forgot about him just till now. I don't know whatever happened to him. And of course, uh, working, uh, dealing with Ernie Todd as well. Oh, Easy Rider was on the show as well. So I got to see a lot of luminaries. The show was okay. It was not well attended. Um, hey, you were the promoter. That explains it. Yeah, exactly. That, and I was 15 at the time. So there you go. What year would that have been? Oh, I don't know. Like, I, I have no clue. I was 15 or 15 and a half. No, I would have been 16 because I had to borrow my mom's Dodge Omni to drive to Morton. So wow. I was, I would have been 16. Like late nineties. Oh no! Early two thousand, early two thousand, like two thousand three, two thousand two, two thousand three. Okay, yeah, yeah two thousand, two thousand one. Actually, all right. There we go. My turn. Go ahead. I don't remember the date, but I think I think I had just turned four, and it was March of like nineteen eighty three. 
somewhere March or April 1983. And guess who bought me the ticket? It was actually Vance Nevada's mom, my aunt, because Vance and I are cousins. And so she bought me a ticket. My dad took me. And it was AWA at the Winnipeg Arena. And I don't know all the details because at four years old, how are you going to retain it? But that's how big of a wrestling fan I was at two and three years old that they wanted to send me to my first wrestling show at four years old. AWA. And I think I told Greg Gagne that that was my first wrestling show. I went to a couple of arena shows and then I went to an AWA show at the Brandon Keystone Center before I was six. And then obviously they, they stopped running Winnipeg and then it became WWF. And I don't remember my first WWF show. I think it, that's a good question. Uh, But it was, I was in the match. My first W, I, I, the first WWF show I remember, I think, was probably not until 91, 90, Ultimate Warrior and Sergeant Slaughter in the Cage. Yep. March 1991. Yeah. So just before your first one. Yep. So, uh, and so there was a few years where I didn't go to live shows. I remember my first local show was a Wayne Stanton River City wrestling show. Vance Nevada was in the main event. Me too. 1994. Yeah, yeah this Roberts. was 93 at Chalmers. So that Wayne always thinks he met me in 95 when I broke in as a ref and trained, but he actually met me in 1993. Before we move on, do you do you remember the time period where it was kind of uncool for locals to go see like WWE? Uh, yeah, actually, I remember when I broke in in 95 that Royce and Nevada used to not like to go or they pretended they didn't like to go and they didn't want to be seen in the crowd. It was just a stupid that, rule. That like, was still hanging around like when I got in in about 2002, 2003. Well, the problem is, is that they don't want to be seen in the crowd, right? Like, yeah. cause they think they're recognized. I still, to this day, like, I, like I said, I, a couple of weeks ago, I would go to a WWE show because I have a hookup to get very good tickets. I no, had no qualms about sitting second row at, at raw, but at all elite, if I go, I probably want to be someplace where it's a little bit more discreet, just and part of the podcast is if I'm sitting in the front row cheering it on, like I kind of lose some credibility in terms of being, uh, impartial. Im- yeah. Impartial. Yeah. Um, I, can, I can remember a time in May of 2001 when Paul Bearer contacted me to come down to the Winnipeg arena to do, it wasn't like a tryout cause there was a house show, but it was like, uh, they wanted to meet with me. Yeah. And I remember I showed up with a suit on, and my gear bag and i remember going there and i remember there was a whole bunch of like local guys looking at me just with like daggers because i was like at this show in a suit like looking like i belong there yeah i can remember that i remember that vividly. rock and austin were in the main event because they sang at the show that was how the show ended was rock and austin I, ended up in a face to face and they started singing yeah they i can't say, even remember i spent most of the time in the back with the big show we were chatting about stuff but yeah i remember that austin vividly. sang tanya tucker whatever it was yeah, but that's i remember that very it was a stacked stacked lineup for 2001 for sure all right moving on to the second question from jeremy this one sent in through our instagram jeremy asks have you ever had someone go against what was planned in a match so this is when you were an active competitor mike and myself and of course mecca as well go against what was planned in the match and things got a little bit too real well I, uh, we'll start off with a guest you go first yeah i had uh well, i can remember once at bumpers i wrestled ronnie attitude and I don't know what happened because I was just, I had wrestled for Border City Wrestling against Joey Legend. I think this was February of 2000, I think. And then I came back 
and I wrestled like the week later, which is hilarious because I went on a, sh- I was on a show with like King Kong Bundy and D'Lo Brown. I was wrestling Joey Legend, and then the next week I was wrestling in bumpers, uh, which was, you know, pretty yeah. funny. But I remember Tony Candelo was at that show, and I think that was the time when River City and CWF was alternating weeks at bumpers. There was a brief period of time where that was happening, and the CWF week would draw the shits, and then the River City week would draw way better for whatever reason. But I remember, I remember, I was wrestling Ronnie Attitude, and Spider came in with Ernie, and then Tony was there, and Ronnie. I don't know what was going on with him, but he was just getting way too excited. And you, you know, Ronnie, you've been in the ring with Ronnie. Oh yeah. When he gets excited, he gets reckless, and yeah. he can like. He can potato you pretty good. Yeah. And I remember I had him in a front face lock and he was just flailing away and he wasn't like taking direction. I was just like, Hey, like I think he just got nervous cause these other guys came in and then I, he was just going crazy. I couldn't get control of him. So I just cinched up on the, on a front face lock and I said, you got to calm down. And he just kept, I just seen his arms like flailing away like this and I just cinched up on him and I choked him out. <laughs> And he was out, and the ref was like, "What do we do?" I guess I pin him. Yeah. So I pinned him, and the match was over. So that was be that'd be one time I can think of. That's a pretty good story, Mike. Uh, I had one. Well, Vance Nevada and I almost remember when Brat was on. He brought up that I got chopped in the back yeah. and I went after his kidney, <laughs> and uh, I didn't get to his kidney, but he he got out of there as fast as he could because what happened was he put me in the front face lock, he chopped me in the back, and I said, "Oh, you're." F- you're F now, your fees now. And I, w- I was going to, I, I was trying to swing at his kidney. He immediately tagged out and got out of there because he knew uh, I'm a, he's not going to be able to keep me in that spot long. And I am seriously going to go after his kidney because uh, I'd warned him. Why his kidney? Because if you punch somebody in the kidney, you you can drop them very quickly. <laughs> yes. It is a very serious place That's to punch That's a good somebody. way to make somebody pee blood. Yeah. And, punch them right in the kidney. And so, and I, we had no heat at the time, but I had told him, stop chopping me in the back. Uh, another time, Big O and I, he, I went to clothesline him, and he used to kind of baseball slide. As slide he, into third yeah, base. Yeah, he'd slide into third base like he was trying to avoid a tag, like a baseball, yeah. like being tagged out with the ball. And he his shoulder hit my arm. I thought he broke my arm. And I and I was mad, and I kind of stiffed him up after. But it was kind of shitty because it's O, and I love the Big O. Yeah. Like, it's not like he was trying to do it. So I was mad at him, and then him, him and I got into it in the back. Um but I don't remember too many times. I remember like nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, really like minor, minor stuff. I don't have anything where anybody sort of flipped the script, but I did have an experience with a local um, who was, who's widely regarded as a terrible uh, in-ring person. Let's just say that I'm trying to keep it as, as PG as possible. Um, early in my career, we went out, we had a, had a match. We had it all laid out beforehand. We had, you know, veterans help us lay it out. Um, went out, we got like maybe two, three minutes into it, and he just wasn't really cooperating. He wasn't going along. I think I don't. I he might might have went blank, which is you know a common problem when guys lay out matches A through Z. They'll go blank halfway through. So I'm trying to salvage it. Uh, eventually, I just start beating the crap out of him for hard forearms to the back, hard chops, like because this is bad, and I want to get it over with. And uh, then we get a signal from the back to, to take it home. We take it home. I hit him with a brain buster, and that was it. One, two, three. And that was the end of it. That was the, the, that was the entire thing was that, and that was like 2000, 
before. You, you shot a brain buster. Off. Yeah, like you were doing the suplex version of the brain buster. Yeah, no, he knew that was the end of the match. Oh, that's good. We had that. I didn't shoot a brain buster. Rob Stardom shot a brain buster on me off the top rope. Oh, oh my god, off the top rope, and you might have been booking for this. It was a hardcore match, and then he had me up on the top rope, and then he, I thought you're just going to give me a suplex off the top rope, but then he hooked me. And then he brought me down, and thankfully, because I'm a professional, I've been trained properly, I tucked my head because my neck would have been broken. Yeah. I would have been done. And was I was that, was that PCW or TRCW? Uh, it was at the Palladium or the Stratosphere, yeah. whatever it was. It was around the October. I think it was for the hard, it was one of those the hardcore titles. If it was hardcore titles, I was done as Booker. Right? It was TRCW. Yeah. That, that's what it was. Cause, and I remember I was pissed to count, and there was a kendo stick in the ring. And I remember I got up and I hit him in the side of the head with that kendo stick as hard as I could. I swung it as hard as I could and just crushed him in the side of the head with his kendo stick because oh, I was so pissed. No doubt. And I yelled at him in the back. I said, I can protect myself, but there are a lot of guys, you know, locally who don't, can't think that quickly on their feet. That could have been very bad for somebody else. So I was really pissed off when you talked about uh, well, brain to, buster. Yeah, to be to to be fair, my brain buster was a lot more like a suplex that early in my career. There was not a lot of sheer. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that it. you were trying to do that, considering how you've described yourself as a mat veteran and a guy that never made many mistakes and were a flawless worker. <laughs> I wasn't. I never hurt. I never hurt anybody in the ring. Yeah. Ne- not one person. Right. There's not one person who can say that my fundamentals weren't sound. I couldn't tell a story. Final That's what question. I've said. <laughs> You guys are going to get into a shoot here. We no, are. No, no shoot. I don't want to. I don't want anybody thinking I was dangerous in the ring because I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> this one comes from Miguel. Um, There's a guy who listens to our show named Miguel. Apparently so. I think it's one of the Guerreros who yeah. uh, Miguel, <laughs> Miguel Miguel Guerrero Miguel Jimmy Guerrero. Yeah. All right, this one coming in to our inbox. Total she's at gmail.com. Mike, have you ever had someone get into a backstage altercation at a show that you were running? Ah, that sounds almost like the last question. It's uh, very similar, but yeah. I remember Ryan Wood getting into it with Rex Roberts once, and it, there was... Ryan Wood, for a guy who was a junior heavyweight, was willing to fight. Like, he, he was usually mouth first, but not afraid to back it up if it was required. Um, I don't remember exactly what happened. It was a lot of FUFUs, and then I was like, settle down and whatever, and it got settled pretty quick. Another time... Uh, not a not over a match, but Ryan Wood showed up and or Andrew Bobby J showed up and we heard he was trying to run opposition to us at at the bar down the street after he'd shut down TRCW. So he showed up trying to be a nice guy and Andrew saw him and he said, "Get out!" And Bobby, who normally isn't confrontational, was like, "Whatever you want." And then Andrew's like, "You're gonna try to start up. You're trying to scoop scoop our guys. Get out!" And so then Andrew, Bobby bowed up to Andrew. That's a fight Andrew would win. He's like, "Oh yeah, you think you're tough?" And Andrew's like. I'll kick your ass. And then, and then, um, right away, Ryan Wood wanted to back up Bobby and it, it, it got blown over. Another time, uh, and Wayne Stanton, I saw him, uh, challenge Ernie Todd once. And, 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 uh, Wayne talked about it when he was on our show in episode six, he called Ernie a coward and he was like, I don't think you have the balls to fight me. And Ernie didn't want to fight him because Wayne's harmless and uh, he knew he was being baited, but it, 
Wayne followed Ernie around saying, well, if you think you're tough enough, why don't you throw a punch? <laughs> and I saw him do that to Andrew once too. So Andrew and I were in the front row at a Wayne Stanton show and Danny Duggan was supposed to be booked and Wayne bumped him. So Danny was sitting with us and Danny was like 14 at the time, had the bowl cut and just Great the haircut. kid that we remember, right? Yep. And so Stanton walked up to Danny and he said, I thought I told you to leave. And Danny just looked at him and Wayne and Andrew said, Wayne, fees off. And Wayne looked and walked away and he come, came back and he's like, you, you tell me to fees off. You, you're a bully, Andrew. You've always been a bully, but they've had like five or six different altercations over the course of time. Yeah. And Wayne's like, I don't think you have the balls to hit me. And Andrew right up in his face, just talking to him, pointing at him. And Wayne, he, he you, you wanted you, it was like you swing first was the yeah. argument. And that stems from the first time they met, they started, it started contentious. What happened was it was right after September 11th, 2001. And it was a TRCW show at, at the Palladium. Andrew was working as the head of security and Wayne was coming to watch the show. He, he wasn't the ring announcer. He's just coming to watch. And Andrew said, I need to see your ID. And Wayne said, I'm not a terrorist. Like what, what would make you say that after nine 11? Like that's your first, yeah. I'm not a terrorist. And Andrew said, I didn't say you were a terrorist, but I need to see your ID. And Wayne brushed him off and said, clearly I'm over 18. And Andrew said, I don't believe I asked if you were 18. I did ask for your ID. You're not getting in without it. Cause their policy was they ID'd everybody. So Wayne said, well, uh, you're clearly a, Howard and a, whatever it was. And he said, I'm not going to show you my ID. And he said, I'll, I'm going to go complain to Tom. Cause he knew somehow he knew Tom Manos. So he went to the hotel lobby to complain to Tom and Andrew went into the lobby and they were still going at it. And Wayne would never back down and, and showed absolute utter deference to Andrew. Like the fact that Andrew would win that fight a million times over Wayne never backed down once. Wasn't that the time we, we went to the bar and we, we got Wayne really we, drunk. That after that happened after because we had to go and smooth it over because Wayne didn't want to come to the bar because he didn't think he'd get in. We got him like yeah we shit yeah we face. went and said Andrew Wayne's our friend Jeez, yeah please. and he came and hung, hung with us and we we had to tell Andrew could you please let him in and Andrew said it was okay that's right but yeah there's so many stories of Wayne and Andrew I'll tell another one next time but yeah so locker room shoots are very rare like I I've heard of them I've. I saw one between Steve Stryker and Wildman Furpo, which was a lot of yelling, never led to fists. And Ernie Todd got into one with, with Darren Metzlar, Steve Stryker, where Steve Stryker got fired as CWF Booker because Ernie came in and was asserting himself in the back. And D Metzlar told him, shut the f fees up and get the hell out of the room. And so, like, you see stuff like that, but it's rare. Steve Stryker's a big guy, too, so presumably he might know how to handle himself. Mm, nice guy doesn't ever want to fight, but yeah. he, but if he believes something, he'll, he'll speak up. There you have it. Another edition of the total bees. She show in the can. Thanks once again for coming. That in, was episode Mecca. 34, episode 34 in the can. Thanks again for coming in Mecca. And that's another week. Glenn Goza, play us out. Happy holidays, everyone. Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post and the rumper bumper butt butt delivered by the ice man. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the Iron Claw as only the Von Erics can?
Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called, and friend, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling, really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Erich, when he's really high and flying, I like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover and the lights. They were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on, every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon?